yes, there are steps we can all take, but that's the key right there. Taking the steps, aiming at something, understanding that we're designed for this and noticing that these small steps lead to big actions and big changes, but it's, it's never this prepare for a hundred different things or prepare for this major thing. It's all these little steps that you can take on a daily basis. And it's not necessarily a three hour workout. Like people seem to think endurance. Oh, I don't have time for that 90 minutes or two hours. No, it starts with 20 minutes. Hello, and welcome to the art of living well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host Marnie Dodges Marmette. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello and welcome back to the Art of Living Well podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're in full summer mode here and both Marnie and myself have really been doing lots of celebrating. Her oldest son graduated from college recently and mine just graduated from high school. So we've been Enjoying the warm weather in Minnesota and spending lots of time with family and friends, which has been wonderful. We've also been doing some planning for our in-person events that we like to do every summer. For those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that. And we will have one in late July and then another one in early August. So stay tuned for that, especially for all the local Minnesotans. And make sure that you're on your on our newsletter list so that you'll be the first to hear of these events when we start promoting them because space will be limited. And finally, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Doing so really helps us grow our following and allows more people to be inspired and motivated by the guests that we bring on and all the topics that we introduce. And please take a screenshot of your review, send us a DM, and we can give you a shout out in one of our upcoming episodes. And now I am so excited to introduce today's guests. We have Emily Wise and Chris Hoth, who are really a dynamic duo. So Chris Hoth is a former Olympic swimmer who quickly joined the ranks of world-class triathletes. In 2006, Chris won the Ironman Corps Deline and went on to be the first American amateur and fourth overall American at the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii. After 12 years in finance, Chris nowadays exclusively runs his coaching program, AMP, for athletes throughout the country and around the world. With AMP, he not only works with ultra swimmers, bikers, or runners, but his ultra endurance approach and mindset coaching is applied to athletes from solo sailing to Nordic Olympic skiers, even military special forces and executives in the corporate world. Emily is a nutrition and wellness coach who primarily serves active women in their perimenopause years and beyond to help them transform their mindset and lifestyle habits to optimize their performance and well-being across all aspects of their life. She has been in the health and wellness industry for over 20 years, serving clients and companies alike. We had such a fun conversation with Emily and Chris, and you are going to feel the energy between this powerful couple come through in today's episode. 
they've really used their life experiences as endurance, endurance athletes to help people achieve their athletic goals that they never thought were possible. And they really inspire health and fitness by connecting not only to the endurance athlete who we tend to think of as, you know, triathlons and Ironmans and marathon runners, but really that endurance athlete that we know lies within all of us. So in today's episode, you're going to be inspired to adopt an endurance athlete mindset and learn why consistency across the board when it comes to food and training is so important and how it's really valuable to start to peel back the layers and uncover what's holding you back from making the lifestyle choices that are necessary to achieve your goals. We talk a lot about mindset and even more than the physical component of doing a race, whether that's doing your first 5K or completing your first Ironman or triathlon. And it really has nothing to do with talent, which is so refreshing to hear from these two. We talk about intention setting when it comes to your workout. And this is whether you have 20 minutes or two hours to do the workout in order to get the results that you desire. Emily shares about the impact that hormones have on your training and how you should be moving your body based on your cycle. We dive in and talk about strength training and the impact that that has for everyone, especially women, so that we can be doing things that we want to, like maybe running and playing with our grandchildren at the age of 75. You'll also learn about this amazing new endeavor that Chris has been involved with called 7X, which is it's a seven times human performance project that includes seven marathons, seven swims, seven skydiving jumps on seven continents in seven days. And he will share about this experience. This episode is packed full of insight about how everything that you do now is preparing yourself for who you want to be 10 to 15 years down the road. So with that, let's jump right into this very fun and inspiring conversation with Emily Wise and Chris Hoff. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Good Health Saunas. I have had my Good Health Sauna for over a year now, and you guys, I love it so much. From the moment of purchase to the delivery and setup, Good Health Sauna staff, they've been absolutely amazing. They've answered all my questions. They did a great job with the setup. And I have started this routine where I'm working out in the morning, I'm taking a sauna, I'm showering, I'm refreshed, and I feel great for the day. And I just feel relaxed during the day. I'm sleeping better at night. And I feel like I'm really adding to my overall health and happiness. And I'm also removing toxins from my body. And I feel amazing. Infrared saunas produce penetrating heat to help you sweat and heal your body from the inside. Sweating on a regular basis in your good health sauna can help you feel rejuvenated. There are so many health benefits of regular infrared sauna use that include detoxification, immune system support, muscle repair, chronic pain relief, relaxation, deeper sleep, and so much more. I've been using my sauna now regularly for the last several weeks and love how relaxed I feel, especially when I do it in the evening as part of my routine. It really helps me unwind from the day and improve my sleep. So why not bring the benefits and convenience of the sauna experience into your home with a commercial grade Good Health Sauna? Good Health Sauna has three stores, one at the Mall of America in Minnesota and two in Wisconsin, in Appleton and Waukesha, but they ship anywhere in the U.S. For more information on the various sizes and options and for your special offer for all of our listeners, head on over to their website, www.goodhealthsaunas with an S. Dot com and mention the Art of Living Well podcast. 
Hi, Chris and Emily. We are so happy to have you guys on our show today. We just love having like-minded guests, and we are very excited for this conversation today. And before we kick off, one thing we just want to start off with right out of the gate is what is, if each of you can answer, your (laughs) non-negotiable for each day when you start your day? Non-negotiable. Well, I exercise for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably for both <laughs> of us. Type of movement. Yeah. Interestingly enough, not and always to start our day because just due to different timing, it might not be the first thing we do in the day. So then, therefore, if you go truly down to the details of it, it's probably uh, coffee and journaling for me. No. Oh, nice. And what about you, Emily? Some type of movement, that, whether it's yeah. just some mobility in the morning or you know, the morning workout, or that's just what wakes me up and makes me feel alive. (laughs) Yeah. So what did you do today? What was your workout today? I swam with friends. Yeah. Like outside in in the the fresh air. That that feels nice. I was jealous. (laughs) I was jealous too. (laughs) We do swim outside all year round here for better or for worse. Yes. And today was a good one. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was great because I wrote the workout. Oh. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> we modify as we see fit. <laughs> you, you guys can get the theme here already. <laughs> yeah. I, I really want to ask, this is totally off topic, but how many hours a day do you guys work out? Oh, but I mean, in a weekly, like during the week, it's, you know, 60, 90 minutes, depending on. Okay. Sounds I mean, we're, we're normal humans have so it's not a four other responsibilities of life. <laughs> yes. It's where our weekends like tend to get a little bit longer or if, you know, he's training for something bigger right now. So, or you're training for something. Or, or those, yeah. those I mean, it ebbs and flows, but you know, we're, we're normal humans from that perspective. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. And we actually enduring. pride ourselves on that, um, that in a, that you can relate. I mean, there's definitely athletes that do a lot more training than we do let's say they have kids and a job and family and so forth and responsibilities and community and church and so forth. But I think it's important. And I think we both respect that pretty well that it just go with the ebbs and flows of life. And there's phases where training does become a little bit more of a priority because of an event coming up. Mm-hmm. But then there's times where it's like, all right, you know, that family or work, takes the priority due to just because there is no event as well as that's what life calls for. And it's, it's important to maintain some sort of balance with that. I don't like the word balance as Emily knows, just because it's hard to people think balance means equilibrium, like perfectly balanced. And that never happens. So Mm -hmm. I think what comes up for me is it's, it's the consistency over the years that pays off that allows you to have that flexibility of sometimes going up and sometimes coming down. And then something Chris talks about all the time is having that intention in a workout of, you know, what do you need to get out of it? So for example, if I look at a workout that I maybe don't have time for, you look at what, what's the meat, what do I need to get out of that today and get it done in the least time possible. (laughs) So you still get the benefits of all that. And Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's such a good point. And we've talked a lot about intention on this show, but really not with respect to a workout. And that's not something I think I necessarily do that I want to start doing. And like Mm -hmm. you said, if you only have a short amount of time, don't dwell on the fact that you only have 20 minutes or 30 minutes. How can you get the most out of that 20 or 30 minutes? Exactly. Yeah, that's That's pretty powerful. 
Yeah. And intention in general, like we live in a world where showing up has become the answer. And, you know, showing up is great, and, but it doesn't really maximize the limited time you have. And showing up with intention, now we're really moving the needle because just examples, right? Like people show up at the gym, truly just show up. And then they look around and see, huh, what am I in the mood for today? <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's not training, that's exercise. Right. Training right. means you have a prescription and you have an intention of what the desired outcome is today, what you need in order to achieve future outcomes. And so you already know going into the gym, what you want to do, how you want to do it, and what qualifies as a good session. And so you pile those together. Now you're really moving forward, whether it's at work, whether it's with family, intention works very similarly, whether it's with nutrition. Like, what is it I'm doing here? Why am I doing it? And what defines a good outcome? And that quickly starts steamrolling a really uh, different quality of your actions. Well, and it, I mean, for me, for the demographic the, that I work with, I work with active women going through perimenopause and as hormonal hormones change, you do have to have some intention in that workout. Like I talk to a lot of women while I'm running or I'm hiking or I'm going to yoga or I'm doing something and it's not working. I'm still gaining weight or I'm still doing this or that. It's like, there are scientific reasons and ways to really get change. And that's going to change with your hormones. So whether it's a outcome for an endurance event that you're doing or an outcome for just feeling better, adapting to your changing hormones, stimulating bone, stimulating muscle, whatever it is, having some intention in that workout is what it's all about. Absolutely. Well, I know we just kind of dove right in, but let's back up for a minute and hear (laughs) who you guys are and your stories in a nutshell. And I know you guys, you know, are in separate fields, but very overlapping fields and, you know, how you guys work together and how you ended up where you are today. Very succinctly. (laughs) Ladies first. (laughs) I've been an endurance athlete for 25 years, I think, and in and out of this health and wellness space for almost just as long. Nutrition came about because of, you know, hormonal shifts, gut dysfunction, injuries. So led down a path of trying to heal myself, working in, I also taught Pilates for a long time, working with those women and realizing, you know, an hour a day once a week isn't really going to change anything. So that led to incorporating nutrition and movement. And then obviously my background and my own training and what I've learned along the way. So all of my work comes from mostly my own life journey in this space. And Chris, what he does, I always say to people, like, I do everything he doesn't. (laughs) So together, (laughs) we can can figure it out for you. Yeah, I'm the intensity. She's the empathy. Yes, <laughs> I like it. He says, "Why don't you do this? Just get it done." And I say, "Well, what's getting in the way?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you got the, the yin and yang going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I work with most of his athletes, and then, as you know, we both work with twenty nine or twenty nine, and from there, it's just there's a lot of active people in my life, and obviously, <laughs> only his life. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, 
well, I've been an athlete all my life. I started out as a swimmer. Um, I had a first life as a swimmer. And that culminated uh, in after the 96 Olympics. I swam in the 92 and 96 Olympics. Then I moved to triathlon and I was a pro triathlete and search for uh, a second life. Um, and that was uh, successful as well in winning a few Ironmans and then also uh, the world championships in my age group in Kona. And then um, moved on to ultra running. That was the third life. Spent some time there and uh, won some races there and did some adventures in that. And I would say for the past four or five years as an athlete, just have been um, dabbling in a variety of different other endurance adventures, multi-day stage races, uh, adventure races, self-curated stuff. So the longer, the better, the deeper into the mind that these events take you, the more curious and excited I get about them. And so that has led me down a path of coaching a lot of mindset, a lot of executives around this mindset and the endurance mindset and how we, what we can learn about ourselves while we're out there. And it becomes this larger conversation, deeper conversation with a lot of them that I call um, working in instead of working out. And combining that at the same time that in those hours that you have to yourself while you're training while you're working on yourself physically you have an opportunity to work on yourself mentally spiritually and in sort of some sort of self-actualization and so most of my training these days and coaching is via endurance to have an, a deeper conversation with a lot of people and so that has led me down a path of you know, executive retreats and coaching, as well as, you know, military and special operators, as well as a variety of different athletes on all kinds of crazy adventures. Uh, I sort of have stepped out of that box of really working too much in a, um, you know, organized event space. And it's become more, especially since COVID, more, more self-curated, whatever crazy ideas people think of, they somehow seem to find me and migrate towards me with regards to, well, how can I do this? And can you help me? That's amazing. First of all, like all of, all of the things you just mentioned. And I know Stephanie and I both have been talking about this a lot since learning about 29029, which we really want to do in 2024, but it's like, I, so I just ran a half marathon, which isn't that exciting, but for me, it was a big deal. Plenty. Plenty. And I'm just like, okay, what can I do next? Like, it's like, you, I can see where you can get caught up, like go down that spiral. Cause it's, it's amazing. Or up that spiral. Yeah. Or up that yeah. spiral. Yes. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just amazing how exciting it is and the, how much value, like personal value and experience I got out of it and how I just want to keep doing more. Yeah. And I would challenge to question you of the things you learned about yourself and the confidence and the insights and the obstacles you overcame and the adversity you faced in your prep for it, not just physically, but also mentally of not wanting to do things on certain days and following through anyway. And also your word and what it means to you because you said you were going to do this. And so there's this thing, this tension tugging at us at these times when it's like we don't want to do something, but we said we would. And from those little moments, 
quite honestly, we learn a lot about ourselves if we take a step back and recognize, man, I did that. I went through that. I went through that conversation. And look, if I can have that conversation about running a half marathon, where else can I have that conversation where I overcome that tension and I work with that sort of resistance to see, you know what? I've done it in the past. I've done it in other areas. I can do it now too. Yeah, this is really powerful what you're saying because I think, you know, when we first started researching for this and thinking about, oh, we're going to talk about like some endurance endurance athletic events, you know, you quickly went right to the mental space, right? And just the benefit and the time that you're spending when you're training and using that time, you know, like you said, the reflection and the just, I mean, when I look at people like you guys or any other endurance athletes, I'm always like, oh my gosh, how do they do it? Right? Like, I think a lot of people have that, like they're intimidated by it. They're like, I couldn't do that, whether it's physical or mental, but you know, if you're in you know, if you have all your working parts and that you can train for something, I think what you're almost saying is like anyone can almost do this, right? Because you have to get you over just the have mental to want piece. to. Yeah, you just have to want to. And then I, I was also, as you were talking, thinking, you know, the confidence you build and understanding what your body can really do is makes you want to question what can I do next. What yeah. else? Can I- and I'll, and it could be another event, a physical event, or it could just be some other area of your life that you want to do. But it probably has a ripple effect. I'm sure you see that with your clients. Oh, for sure. Um, starting a business. <laughs> yeah, starting a business. Um, taking on a new chapter in life. Uh, you know, taking on a mortgage. All these things are intimidating and overwhelming, and seem like a big chunk to bite off at one time. But for all of these things, there's a process and steps and along that journey that we can quickly build momentum and, again, learn so much about ourselves and discover what it is that we're good at, what it is we need to work on, or what I call blind spots or weaknesses, and, you know, or areas of most improvement and areas of least improvement, we like to say, because you know, if you're already good at something, that's the area of least improvement. But if if you have something where you re- recognize, I need to work on that a little bit, that has the most improvement opportunity. And it's sort of, if you look at it from that perspective, it's actually sort of exciting. Like there's a lot of runway here I can improve upon. I was going to say, when you're digging into these spaces and um, you start to find either your self-doubt or your fears, or, you know, maybe it shows up during your exercise or your challenge, but it usually spills across other aspects of your life that you don't notice. So when you start fixing that relationship in one way, again, like it says, it ripples through. And whether it's you find that insecurity or relationship with yourself or relationship with exercise or relationship with your body, whether you find that in nutrition or you find that in the sport or you find it somewhere else, it's usually present in other aspects of your life too. How we do one thing is how we do everything. Absolutely. So true. I agree. So when you guys are working with people, do you find that you enjoy working with the person that's like, you know, I've never run a marathon or this is new to me, but I really want to do this. Like, is that a lot more difficult than someone that's like really fit and has run 10 marathons? And like, I'm just curious what that experience is like for both of you when you're working with a client. To me, it doesn't matter what the client's trying to achieve. It matters how curious and open they are to the learning process. So I think each of them are just as fun. It's just a matter of how open and willing and 
how deep they can go or want to go or are curious enough to go. Yeah. And it's a question for my, for me of expectations, right? The experienced athlete already has expectations and a vision of what they're looking to achieve. And so the work is different there than it is with somebody brand new, because when they're new to endurance, it's exciting. You know, what is coming down the road for them. And if done right, it's only going to change their lifestyle, change how they view themselves in the world. It's going to create an excitement and a confidence and a curiosity and a passion that can fuel a complete transformation in their lives. We're endurance beings. That's what the human being is. We were never the best. We were never the strongest. We we're never the fastest to survive evolutionarily. We only are alive because of our endurance. And so when we apply endurance to our body, signals turn on that we didn't even know we have because that's how we're optimized. That's how we developed over you know, thousands of years to run long, to persevere, to overcome obstacles while other creatures give up, um, run out of energy, fuel ourselves. All these things, when you continue to go down this path, you realize that's how we're optimized. And it turns on signals that not only physically, but spiritually and mentally really have a profound effect. And it, it like we keep saying, it spills into all aspects of our lives. And so it's exciting to see newer athletes get these little crumbs and morsels of insight that they go, oh, now I understand, or I see it, or I feel it. Or they go, well, in the beginning, it's like, well, I don't think I can run three miles. And, you know, six months later, they're like, I woke up, ran 10 miles and took my kids to a soccer game. And it feels amazing. <laughs> like those are, that's success for us. Yeah. That's success for us where they're not just on the couch the rest of their Saturday beat up, but they fueled well, they're nourished, they're taking care of their body, they're getting sleep, they're exercising and all those components together. And they feel like this new energy, this new persona, this new identity. And then, you know, they even have more energy to give their families and their community and their surroundings. And they understand the connection between the two, right? Yes. That. The exercise is nothing without the nutritional foundation and vice versa. Yeah. So can you, let's dive into that a little bit. Can you, you know, especially Emily, like one, how do you guys work together from that aspect? And what are you doing with most of your clients when it comes to nutrition and the endurance piece? Like just talking about the two of them. And I think that's probably changed a bit over time. If we were having this conversation 10 years ago versus today. Um, so what you're seeing currently I think would be really um, enlightening for our listeners. <laughs> 10 years ago, 10 years ago, Emily telling me what to do and <laughs> me not listening. <laughs> and eventually coming to the conclusion. And then he'll go for a run and listen to a podcast and he'll come home and say, no, oh, I heard this. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I told you. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's the story of our lives. Yeah, oh, exactly. exactly. Like, that happens yeah. with my husband all the time. All yeah. the time. Yeah. So everything he knows he's learned from a podcast, not yeah. from <laughs> yeah. <Right>. of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, from our perspective, how we work together, it, I mean, I do a consult with all of his athletes when they sign up with him. And then depending where that goes, <laughs> whether I work with them further or he can take it from there, depending where the athlete is at, whether they've had, you know, previous experience 
with health professional, whether they have something going on, whether they have injuries, whether they, so that can take on its own, but that's initially how we start. How- and within that, how it resonates. And for some clients, it resonates very deeply how the questions you're asking and the deeper why around some of the relationship questions with food. Right. And um, mm-hmm. so that's powerful to some, I mean, not for everyone, but for some. And so that becomes a um, meaningful relationship and meaningful exchange and they will want to work further. When I, when I start working when athletes first question are, okay, they get out their pen and paper and it's like, well, what do I eat before, during and after exercise? Yeah. <laughs> yeah which and, is a great question. Well, it is, but it, I, like we, I think we said before we started recording, I mean, the, for a master's athlete or for somebody who's not going pro in this, it matters what you do across the board, like, and your meals should be before and after workouts. Again, we're not working out endless hours a day. And so it's understanding that. And then it's, you know, well, I don't have time for that. Or, cause again, most of these people are professionals. They're trying to train, they have a family and they think they're the only one that doesn't have time to come home and make a gourmet meal. And how do I do it? So that's the work that I do is, and again, depending on the athlete's or persons really, I mean, relationship to their body, their position, they see themselves in the family, whether they just prioritize everybody else instead of themselves, like it's obviously a huge space. Um, So nutrition doesn't happen in that silo. So when I work with people, we work on all aspects of what's getting in the way of you being able to implement this nutrition, your understanding of how your body works and which Again, for men and women, it's a little bit different. And, you know, what's the timing of your food? What what type of food are you eating? That's going to change depending on who I'm talking to. Um, mm-hmm. But it's the consistency across the board that is going to pay off just like training, right? Like if you just show up at the event and you've just done the weekend warrior training, your event is only going to go so well. But if you've trained consistently, it's going to go a lot better. Food's the same way. If you're just going to pay attention to what you eat before and after a workout and ignore the rest of it, you're only going to go so far. So it's about learning how to make it the food and the exercise, a lifestyle and get rid of whatever's getting in the way. And for people, you know, that there's a lot of things that get in the way. As you yeah, guys and Marnie and I can relate to that yeah. a lot. <laughs> like you have to peel back the layers of the onion, when, especially yeah. with women. And there's a lot of emotional mm-hmm. eating and stuff from childhood and body image and all that right. stuff. So I agree. It's so, so just important. handing a meal plan. You- yeah. To fix yeah. to go with your workouts is not going to work. And food right. is too triggering for on so many levels. Yeah. Yes. So it's part education and part, you know, well, food also fits into the larger mindset. Like if I'm going to be an athlete and I'm going to see myself as an athlete, so many think that's just the workout, right? But the athlete's mindset and how I view myself start begins with, you know, what am I putting in my body? How am I mm-hmm. treating myself? How am I taking care of myself? Because what time guess should what? I go to bed so I can get up for my workout? Yeah. yeah. All these things right. tie into like a lot of people ask me like, well, do you have to be a talented athlete or some experienced athlete to have the athlete's mindset? No. Anybody can have the same mindset as a world-class Olympic gold medal winning athlete. It's a mindset. How do I, how do I prepare for this workout? How do I sleep? How do I eat? How do I care for my body? That has nothing to do with talent. 
It's all just the mindset. It's all just how I view myself and how I'm going to take care of myself. So if I'm running my first turkey trot, well, I can think about it the same way. How am I going to sleep? How am I going to nourish myself? How am I going to embrace this lifestyle? You can take on this lifestyle immediately. Nothing stops you from a mindset taking on the athlete's mindset right away. And I think there's, I mean, as you're saying that, I think what comes up a lot, I mean, in the people that we work with, there's so many conflicting messages in this wellness space, right? You should fast and you should not eat this and no carbs, this and low carb. And, you know, endurance athletes, depending, you know, I say that loosely, I mean, just active, consistently active humans, I guess. <laughs> you know, like you, get a lot of, you, you get a lot of those benefits from, from the exercise itself. And again, with some intentional training and with some strength training or whatever it is that we, you know, kind of put together for a person individually. And some of those life hacks don't apply or they get very confusing, or they can actually take away from what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, and that's not the fault of the individual. It's in our face constantly. I mean, they're getting so many messages. So there's a little bit of education. And again, helping those individuals kind of sort through which self-care practices, which life hacks, you know, which ones are beneficial for them, which one fits with endurance training, which ones don't, you know, how does that, what does that picture look like? Like we both like to say, I mean, you know, a nutrition plan, a fasting strategy, a workout plan, a strength training plan, all those things look good on paper, but how to make that work for me and my life and my demands and my community and my family, that's the hard part. Right. Right. And taking we, in consideration that person's daily stresses and whatever. Right. Exactly. And so these strategies, I think there's not, they're not bad, you know, obviously there's a time and a place for so many of them and they can have great results. It's just, sometimes it's not beneficial to do them all at once. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Which, yeah. And I think like you guys had both mentioned having that plan in place. And it sounds like it's like the way you two are working, if I'm understanding this properly, is that you're really individualizing it and tailoring it to the specific person and what their needs are and whether they're a brand new athlete, you know, running their first turkey trot or they're an Olympian or whatever it is, you know, you guys are able to really coach and tailor their plans to their lifestyles. Correct. Correct. And I, you know, I think, again, there's no one size fits all as we've been talking about, but just for our listeners out there, Emily, I know there's a lot of women that are in this 45 to 55 age range. Mm -hmm. what, what have you seen just in general based on your clients? Like what shifts from a nutrition or, and a workout standpoint, from a training standpoint, have you seen be beneficial for most people in that age group? Just because I think some women are used to doing like what I've seen is used to doing like all these hit classes for a long time or very similar classes, go to the gym, you know, every day they're in great shape and they're doing the same workouts. And then all of a sudden they hit a certain point, maybe 40, 45, 50. And they were like, I can't do this anymore. You know? And sometimes I think then they feel bad about themselves or they wonder Absolutely. why, or, you know, Absolutely. and so what could you share? What insight could you share based on what you've seen? Yeah. For one, I think, you know, this idea that well, I don't know why the same thing I've been doing doesn't work all of a sudden is, you know, it's a, a shame that we don't have more education again from the time girls, women start getting their period, right? Like there is a hormone shift. There's um, several points in our life that 
the hormones shift dramatically from the time you get your period to the time pre and postnatal to this perimenopause phase. And um, they, those hormones have a huge effect on how our body responds to exercise, right? And the nutrition. So just one, you know, educating women on how that shifts. And, but the big things is like with the HIIT training constantly, let's just use that for example, you know, that's, that's a huge stress, right? And so as we get older and our hormones shift and our ovaries sort of wind down and making that estrogen, then, um, the adrenals take over. And so again, our body can't handle the same amount of stress and it depends for women, you know, what's your overall stress load and for men too. I mean, this is goes across the board, but you know, what's the overall stress load. That's where we have to look at. And people, I constantly hear, well, I'm, I use exercise to reduce my stress or that's my stress release. And they don't understand that stress is stress is stress. The body knows one thing right? It's the same right. chemical reaction, whether it's exercise, whether it's emotional, whether it's life stress, whether it's environmental stress, food stress, whatever it is. Um, so we have to look at that overall stress load, but um, this is where I think it goes back to the beginning of what we were talking about, having really intentional workouts. So again, women that go to classes and classes and classes all the time, they end up working in this kind of middle dead zone, right? Like this, that isn't creating change. It's not building an aerobic base and it's not stimulate. It's not high enough to stimulate a, a shift or that muscle protein synthesis. So it's kind of differentiating the workouts. And then again, as we age, we just need more rest, right? So really having strong intentional workouts and rest instead of this, just cross the board, let me kind of run myself into the ground phase, which maybe we were able to do when we were in our twenties and thirties <laughs> doesn't work going forward. And now a quick shout out to our sponsor, Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. I discovered Organifi about three years ago and fell in love with the gold chocolate blend, which I enjoy in the evenings. I love that it contains ashwagandha, which reduces stress and supports a healthy cortisol level. And it really gives me that fix when I want something chocolatey or sweet in the evening. And it's perfect and nice and calming before bed. And I'm really enjoying the Organifi green juice, which has a ton of superfoods in it. And it's so much easier than juicing. And it's also great if you struggle to get your greens in. Each Organifi blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water. It's great on the go and there's no compromise in quality for taste. Organifi takes great pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods too by heading over to Organifi.com slash livingwell. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash livingwell and use our code livingwell for 20% off your entire order. I was just going to say, and if women and young young women had this information about how their hormones <laughs> do affect their bodies at a younger age, mm -hmm. we would know more how to train alongside with our cycles, which like I'm learning, you know, I'm going to be 50 in like two weeks and I'm learning all of this, you know, 
at close to my own age. Right. Whereas had I known this 20 years ago, things would have been very different. Now I have two daughters. I'm like, okay, well, they are going to know, you yeah. know, where they are in their cycles and what that means, you know, how they should be eating and how they should be moving their bodies. And hopefully they'll be armed with way more information than I Yeah. Would. I mean, don't even get me started on that, but I, I mean, I feel like <laughs> I do wish our education in schools, the sex ed part included a different level yeah. of information. You know, I mean, I think until, you know, I started diving into this area, um, you know, I thought like estrogen gave me boobs and progesterone gave me a period and that was pretty much it. So why do I need them? Right. <laughs> like, 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 go ahead, give right. me menopause. Like, why do I need them? And, you know, learning that, you know, how estrogen touches pretty much every cell in your body and how the impact on your gut and the brain and the immune system and, and our bone health, how progesterone can is calming and it like anti-inflammatory and all of these things that it's really, really important that we continue to get our period for as long as possible. And it's not just to have a baby, right? So right. it is unfortunate that we don't start with that education at a younger age. And hopefully Again, in this space, a lot of us in this age group, as you girls know, like we do have teenager girls and hopefully, I mean, I don't know about your teenage girls, our three don't have any interest really in listening to what I have to say, but (laughs) I I spit it out all the time, right? In hopes that there's something that sticks and hopefully they'll become interested in it way sooner and um, they'll know where to come when they are interested but that women this age are learning and kind of waking up and seeing like, well, let's help these teenage girls. And again, I can't do it all. I'm just a one human, but I do hope that space continues to grow because I think it would be impactful. Yeah. And they're hearing more of it and just in the general media as well. But um, the interesting thing, I have two thoughts on that is that one, if this were men and we're looking to optimize for performance, this would have all been done 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. With regards sure. to, yep. wait, we need to train and periodize, periodize yeah. our training in a certain way to optimize, you know, testosterone stimulation and all this anabolic um, effects, which is interesting to me because, you know, living in this, you know, performance athletic space, even at the highest level, I mean, I grew up in Europe, especially Germany. Well, we learned a lot of this from the East German system where they were, I mean, they knew this. We've known this since the seventies on how to train for your cycle, because when they were stabbing drugs into all those women in East Germany to, for, to be the best possible athletes at the Olympics, they knew when (laughs) to train and how to work through this. It's just that it was like, oh, taboo. Don't you don't bug us with this. Um, right. And then the second thought with that is, especially in this phase of 40s, is learning strength training. You know, mm-hmm. and I have come yes. to this later in life, mm-hmm. um, partially due to Emily, but um, the strength training aspect, if women can learn in their 40s how much fun and effective and powerful strength training is. Then that way, when they need it even more and more in their 50s and 60s, for sure, it's not something intimidating, unfamiliar. You go to this big box and you're like, what's going on here? Like, there's nobody like-minded or similar to me in there. And you already know your movements. You have some confidence around it. It is once again, a huge mindset shift, understanding how important strength is and gaining acknowledge and confidence in it. 
It's it's one of the first things that I have women do if they don't. Um, and this is a self-confidence thing. It's a fear. They're intimidated. They don't feel. And it's always, I just don't like strength training. And let me tell you, they like it when they get the results. <laughs> so they change yeah. their mindset on that. But it's it's getting them in there and getting them comfortable with it. And I think one of the most powerful ways to do that is just hire a trainer for a couple sessions and say, I want to learn some key movements that I can go in there and do myself, help them navigate it. And then we can take you from there. But actually, we're not with everybody uh, to see their form. They get scared. They're going to get yeah. hurt. Um, oh, well, then I also want to interrupt you there a moment. Like also say to that trainer, and this is something that's missing big time. Yeah. Um, say to that trainer, my desired outcome is when I'm 65, 70, I can play on the ground and get up holding a child. When I'm 65, I want to be strong to squat, not weight, but just squat. Like you have to give the trainer a clear description of who you want to be in 20 years, 15 years from now. So you can start the protocol now. Everything you are doing now prepares you for who you want to be in 10, 15 years from now. And your future self will thank you for two things the most. How you fed yourself, nutrition and how you, strong you've remained. You do those yeah. two things, you're going to be a completely different person at 65 to 70 than you ever imagined you could be. Maintaining your muscle is is your life, your longevity. It's the number one uh, comorbidity effect. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's we funny couldn't because, agree more. Yeah, yeah. And I like... In my 20s and 30s, I would say I was probably doing cardio, you know, six, seven days a week, Stairmaster and like all the iterations of cardio that kind of came through. And now in the last probably eight years, I'm like strength training, you know, four times a week and then doing other things to kind of fill in. But the strength training is like the main thing I'm doing because you know, Stephanie and I talk about longevity quite a bit. And like, I want to be skiing when I'm 80 and I know- you know, there aren't a lot of 80 year olds that are skiing, but I want to be that 80 year old that's still yeah. downhill skiing and doing. Just watch out for I Gwyneth like. Paltrow coming at you. I know. <laughs> we were just talking about that. I had to throw that in there. The Today Show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. uh, trust me, I'm happy she won her case, but I yeah. was just, it's yeah. just like, how random is that? My brother totally. was actually on the jury. Like he was, he did not get selected, but he was called for jury duty and was questioned for that case, which was kind of fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, that that would have been a fascinating one jury to be on. Pivot a little bit um, because we want to make sure, Chris, that we talk about your um, recent uh, an endeavor you recently learned about this 7X, this human performance project that, if I'm not mistaken, includes seven marathons, seven swims, seven sky driving jumps on jumps on seven continents in seven days. I can't even get that all out. Most um, people can. <laughs> yeah. Can you, that's just like amazing and so impressive. Can you share this experience with us? Like how it came about and yeah. what it was like yeah. and the purpose of it? Because I know there's some, you know, there was a purpose behind it and intention. Yeah, I was uh, approached by some veterans who used to be, and some of them were still our uh, current uh, special operators in the Navy and in the Army, as in SEALs and Delta Force and so forth. And um, they were doing this project, seven skydives, seven uh, marathons, seven plunges on seven continents in seven days in order to raise awareness 
for um, mental health and suicide prevention. It's quite prevalent in the special operators community um, and in the military in general, it's way higher, like four to five times higher than in the regular American population. And so it's something that they have been studying and working on quite closely with the VA and so forth. And so it was about putting our bodies or their bodies through as much stress and turmoil and fatigue and breaking them down in order to have a better understanding on how to build it back up. And so that's why it was also lack of sleep and changing time zones and extreme temperatures and, you know, doing these marathons, which for a bunch of bigger guys um, on concrete and different places around the world in seven days was a, a completely new challenge, along with the stress of skydiving, where it's a completely different sympathetic response than, let's say, an aerobic event like a marathon, and then shocking the system with a cold plunge and so forth. So, yeah, and uh, they approached me about eight months prior to the event, which we did in February. They asked me to come along and take part. And uh, yeah, in February, off we went. And I'm happy to say that they all came out of it um, healthy, fit, excited. And now they're all bugging me to do, you know, a 50 mile run and a half Ironman <laughs> and all kinds. I'm like, wait a moment, we unleashed something completely <laughs> opposite of what we we're looking to do. We actually lit a fire in them that they're now completely excited to do. But the cause continues on. They're doing a documentary on this, a manual for future um, operators as well as current operators. And what that manual is about, not only from a mental health standpoint, but you know, here we all have some of our highest performing athletes representing our country and putting their life on the line in so many ways for us, serving us. And yet they know nothing about nutrition. They know nothing about supplementation. They know nothing about rest and recovery. They know nothing about strength training other than what their buddies taught them. They know nothing about, you know, stress loads, adrenals, things like that. And so getting a better understanding for them so that they can perform at a higher level, not just when they're performing, meaning serving our nation under extreme, extreme circumstances, but also when they're home, how to recover, how to recharge, how to rebuild, how to come down into a parasympathetic rest and relaxation state. Because without those swings, the mental health goes down the hill very quickly. You can stay in that fight or flight, completely stressed cortisol levels through the roof, phase for so long, um, whether man or woman. And that's sort of the, the key learnings and understanding and highlights of this expedition. Wow. So did you train them in the seven months prior? Were you guys the trainers? Yeah. Yeah. So you were teaching them some of these things about nutrition. Yeah. So I got them all ready physically for marathons okay. for seven marathons in seven days. As well as just I mean, also a lot of lifestyle and mindset um, inside sauna, cold plunge, supplementation. You know, we had a pretty big team. We had uh, a lot of the therapists and nutritionists and dietitians and massage therapists and doctors and so forth on this team from uh, what's called JSOC, Joint Special Operations Command, and out in Norfolk, Virginia, as well as people from San Diego. 
So it is a, it was a big, trust me, a big team. But um, so we had inputs and insights and collaboration amongst many different fields of expertise. And so, yeah, it was a incredible privilege, but it was also so exciting to work alongside some of these experts. Oh, I bet. And what was it like running a marathon in Antarctica? Had you been there before? Yeah, we. Um, well, that is the only one that got pulled because of weather, oh, okay. extreme weather. Oh, okay. So we were going to fly over and like, what was it? Three, four hours prior, because the risk of us getting snowed in, weathered in there, not snowed, they always have snow, yeah. um, <laughs> weathered in there and not being able to get out. And we had to be on six continents at certain times and a plane waiting for us in Cape Town. So we had to then pivot and do the first marathon in Cape Town instead before we went on to Perth, Australia, then on to Dubai, Egypt, London, Cartagena, Colombia, and Dallas, Texas. Wow. Wow. And Emily, you got to bring some of the children and watch (laughs) him in London. Is that what we understand? Yeah, we met in London. We spent a week in London to see him for three hours. Yeah. (laughs) And of those three hours, I'd say... An hour and a half, we were at dinner together, but the rest of the time it was like, hi, bye. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's incredible. And not only from a physical standpoint, but just what you were doing to help these, to help these people from a nutrition, the mental aspect, as you said, just given the the mental health issues with anyone, you know, in that serving our country is incredible. Yeah. And just a gift, really a gift that you're giving them for their life and their families. I'm sure it's like you said, it's having this ripple effect. And, you know, not everyone's going to be able to take on something like this, but how can, you know, how can someone find their own version of taking on a challenge? And it could just be their first turkey trot, like you said earlier, doing something that they never thought possible. It's really like about unleashing that potential. And that's what you're doing with your clients, right? Unlocking that potential. Because I think, as you said earlier, which I thought fascinating is that all of us are, we're all endurance beings. Yeah. So what you're saying is almost every single one of us can train for an endurance event because that's how we evolved yeah. as humans. And women are right? really efficient at it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, they are. Because we're efficient at everything, right? <laughs> we <laughs> everything we do. <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah, we're guys better, like whatever. I like to exam- guys like to run through the wall. <laughs> women like to just be smart, look at the wall and go, well, it's may- way easier to walk around this wall. I'll meet you <laughs> on the other side. Or, you know, he's going to bust through it and then you'll go through easily. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that get hurt. Yeah. I mean, you just used sort of my mission statement, right? And I don't know if that was sort of your intention there, but that is, that no. is it. You know, unlocking an endurance potential that lies within all of us via health and fitness. And so, yes, there are steps we can all take, but that's the key right there. Taking the steps, aiming at something, understanding that we're designed for this and noticing that these small steps lead to big actions and big changes. But it's it's never this prepare for a hundred different things or prepare for this major thing. It's all these little steps that you can take on a daily basis. And it's not necessarily a three hour workout. Like people seem to think endurance. Oh, I don't have time for that 90 minutes or two hours. No, it starts with 20 minutes, right? I always say with endurance, especially, and for those of us with uh, who went pro in something other than the sport they endeavor, it's that 
you know, it's many little workouts make up the endurance. It's not all just at once. So, so many people think, oh, well, I have to, I have three times a week, I have these long workouts. No, six 20 minutes workouts is just as effective. You just got the same volume in as, you know, three longer workouts. So it's just little steps and chipping away at, at the bigger desired outcome. And again, I think both of Chris and I, like the coaching that we do with clients is to help them incorporate this into a lifestyle, something that they can maintain and not just, again, here's all this stuff that you have to do right now for all this one event that you can't sustain. Yeah. It's how do right. we teach them how to do this in a sustainable way that leads to a lifestyle that they can embrace and enjoy for a long period of time versus, you know, a quick diet or a quick event, just throw everything in. It's about how do you manage this across your life so that it can be sustainable. We definitely dot, or I surely define success with an athlete, not on their result, not that they achieved what they wanted to achieve, but they finish and go, now I'm curious to do more. Mm-hmm. They say that. Yeah. I and their family job. doesn't hate that, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, for sure. You know, they take on this endurance and then like, you know, they're so absorbed by it but that then they I can't did manage it. the rest of their life. Right. And I did it wrong too. That right. doesn't define success for me. They, if they that's say right. I can maintain this lifestyle, I'm curious to learn more. I'm curious to grow more. I love how I feel. That means a variety of things. That means they're injury free. That means they finished well enough within their expectations or beyond where it's like, I see how I can do this. I gain confidence. I see a path of this lifestyle being permanent. I also have maintained relationships and balance in my life with regards to my family and my work that I'm not, you know, a robot now. Um, And so they've learned to incorporate those self-care practices that support that. Exactly. So that they're. So you you mentioned injury in there and. I thought about this earlier in our conversation. I'm thinking that, you know, when people, people can overtrain and do you see a lot of injury or when you guys set up the, when you're setting up training plans for people, are you taking into account like rest days and how do you avoid injury? I mean, I seem to pull a muscle all the time, like, and maybe I'm just not stretching enough, but what, what, what is your biggest suggestion on Avoiding injury. <laughs> Could be an hour long topic. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Just just throw something out. I mean, people yeah. come, you know, when 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 injuries show up, it's it's a it's a sign. Are you ignoring, do you not have that relationship to your body and training, right? Training where they just want to check the boxes. They're not giving valid feedback to, you know, what's what's actually going on in the workout and and not because they're lying, but they haven't tapped into themselves. They don't build that relationship, you know, nutritionally to your body. Yeah. Nutritionally, like, are they not eating enough to, which is what I run into. I do, you know, run into low energy availability way more, you know, I mean, I probably can count on my hand how many times I've had to tell people to eat, uh, eat less, you know, it's generally, they're not eating enough for their Right. So how are you, are you getting enough nutrients to support your lifestyle? Um, so, you know, those two things I'd say are the biggest things. And then, you know, obviously biomechanics come into some play again, hydration always comes into play with injuries. Sometimes it's emotional. (laughs) So again, depending Mm -hmm. how you get to know someone and what their relationship to their injuries, sometimes it's like, they have a story that, they're always injured or they're just that one that's injured, you know, and it's sort of unpacking a lot of things, but I, 
top is their relationship to their training and nutritionally, are they getting what they need, I guess, and hydration. You can see she's the empathetic one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even go to half those places. <laughs> I might send them family when it's time for that. But yeah, I mean, there's a variety of uh, concepts. They leave you when they're injured. They come to me. <laughs> exactly. They, yeah. they, if they can't do the training, they're like, oh, I'm off. And then it's like, okay. Go Might as well deal with Emily. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets to do the fun stuff. I do the stuff that is like the foundation to the everything. Work. The hard work. Yes, the hard yes. work that nobody It is the you. hard work. Yes. Yeah. He gets the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, it's like the good an... cop, bad cop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> But from an injury standpoint, you know, one of the things, and again, mindset, right? Stop trying to win at your hobby, right? Like take the edge off a little bit. We were just talking to a client yesterday where it's like, okay, if you feel excited to train and you want to do more, then we're doing it just right. But then again, that comes to where he says that I talked to her afterwards and it's more of like, why do you always have to check the boxes? It's like her feelings of not being good enough, her feelings of like him thinking that she's not doing her job. Like, you know, it comes well, she's, to a bigger, She's not capable of more. And, and yeah, so they feel this failure, right? So it's, we, we have to unpack that for them to be able to not just check the box, boxes and understand that you need to like check in with your body. People have to learn that. They yeah. don't know. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's also a mindset of training, you know, if I'm sweating and I feel the burn and I'm exhausted, that was a good workout. Well, in a lot of cases, in most cases, especially in the endurance world, that's not the desired outcome, right? Like if you're getting ready right. for sprint or shorter in, uh, events, yeah, maybe occasionally you need those sort of high intensity workouts, but the rest of the time it's very focused around certain zones or effort levels um, again, you want to be able to string together many workouts, not just one hero workout and then be exhausted or flat or not really performing the other to it. Consistency trumps volume and effort every single time, right? Consistency. More is not always better. Exactly. And so the, the, the more you can remain consistent, the better you're going to be as, especially as an endurance athlete, but I would argue in about anything because you're injury free, you're absorbing the training, you're recovering properly. And so everything is a little bit more in sync. And so avoiding injuries or working through injuries is about self-awareness, listening to your body, and then really sort of working into, well, what is it I'm doing that allows me or leaves me in this position? And it's never the prior 24 or 48 hours. It's something a week ago or two weeks ago that you started overreaching or pushing through it, what we call a niggle or, you know, bad sleep, or you skipped a few meals because, you know, I'm on the road and this, and then I did a high intensity workout or, you know, did a workout that was way outside the box and I was undernourished. And these things start compounding. And like Emily was saying earlier, stress is stress is stress is stress. The body doesn't know any different. It's just like, you're depleting me. And you're not filling me back up, whether it's in fuel or it's in recovery and or in sleep. And so therefore, eventually, something literally breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I, you guys, I think we could go on and on. There's like so many topics that we touched on that we could dive deeper. I feel like we may have to have you guys on for a part two. But as we wrap up this conversation, we just love leaving our listeners with like a simple or practical tip that they can implement immediately, you know, like tomorrow or the next day, what would each of your tips be 
you know, just simple steps. So maybe it's from, you know, it, it's to tackle an endurance event or to, you know, incorporate that consistency. Like you mentioned, what would be your top suggestion? You go first. <laughs> I go first. <laughs> I know you've already said a lot, but just well, like yeah, your top because mine yeah. will depend on what you said. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, when you just said that with regards to choosing or, or, or defining an endurance event, I think one of the things I ask for in my athletes in our first conversation is passion, right? It has to be curious to you. It has to be something that's going to sustain your motivation because motivation is fickle. Motivation lasts very short. And then when you're in the dog days of training, when what swings your legs out of bed in the morning? What is it a fear that you might not finish or complete what you said you would wanted to do? That helps. Um, is it some sort of curiosity? I've never done something like this and I want to find out more about myself. There's so many angles to go at it, but it has to be something that really is combines passion, curiosity, maybe a bit of fear and growth to that so that it sustains you. The, the curiosity and passion sustains you. Because if you do something where you already know the outcome or can envision how you'll perform, you're not going to do the hard work. It's not going to get you out of bed in the morning. And, you know, I often hear this, you know, I want to be a good role model for my kids and show them what health and fitness looks like. And I always say, well, they're not up at 4.30 when you have to do it before work. So good luck with that. Like, let's find something else, right? Like, yeah. And while you're on a Saturday morning getting on your bike or going for a long run and they're at home watching cartoons, eating waffles, getting ready for their soccer game, they're not around, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you're going to need some passion, curiosity, a little bit of fear and growth around that. He's yeah, really short and succinct, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, you, Emily? Yeah, I'll keep it short. And I think, you know, I'm just thinking of the top things that come across me and my client base. And again, most of middle-aged women, I'd say the one thing, if you can do to lower overall stress, improve the quality of your workout and get better results is stop doing fasted workouts, mm. like eat a little something before your workout, because that's, it doesn't work at this age. So that's something you can start doing tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, Great yeah. advice. And it can have an enormous impact on how your workout goes. And again, just fasted workouts are, are stressful. So you're just exasperating the cortisol levels. So that's something you can do. Yeah. And I'm sure we would love to dive into that deeper at another time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Um, but but thank you for that wonderful advice. You just advice. blew up half the internet by saying. Yeah, totally. I, know, right? <laughs> I, I love it. I love your guys' your guys' rating just went like. <laughs> <laughs> so, our listeners are going to want to know how people can work with you guys, find you guys. We'll link it all up in the show notes. But if you can just quickly let them know, that would be great. I mean, my, I do one-on-one -on -one consulting and then group programs and um, live retreats. So that's. And how can they find things. you though? It's just my name, emilywise.com. Um, I do have an Instagram. I'm not really good at that, but <laughs> it's out there <laughs> and there are, there, there are details out there. It goes in spurts. Okay. Emilywise.com. And we'll link yeah, that. With two E's. So you have to spell it right. E-M-I-L-E-E. Yep. E yeah. And, um, me, I can be found probably best is, uh, 
on that social network called Instagram with AIMP Coach, A-I-M-P Coach. AIMP stands for Advancing the Integration of Mindset on Performance. And so, uh, yeah, that's a good spot or my website, aimcoaching.com. But people seem to not have a difficulty in finding me. So that's a good thing. Yep, for sure. You, you you stand out there in the in the crowd in the you know, health and wellness <laughs> he makes, space. For he sure. makes sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap up this conversation, um, Emily and Chris, one question that we'd like to ask all of our guests is, "What does the art of living well mean to you?" I'm going first again. No, I'll go. Okay. Um, I think it's easy. I think it's sort of what we've been talking about this whole time is living well is an art that it is about piecing together these different self-care practices that support the work that you're doing inside. And that's dynamic. It's always shifting, being aware that we can't implement every self-care practice all at once, but being able to piece it together is sort of an art in itself. Yeah. You know, I'm going to piggyback on that self-care because a lot of people seem to think self-care is selfish and You know, when we take care of ourselves, we have more energy to give others. And especially whether it's you start your day like that or end your day or even in the middle of your day, you just come back with this vigor and vitality and sort of glow that people pick up on. And your energy towards others is so much more giving and therefore rewarding to you that it just sort of completes that circle. And so I highlight to a lot of people, like this isn't selfish and and focusing on yourself is that it's necessarily a bad thing. It's about that you took care of yourself in order to fill your cup to empty it for others, right? Yeah. I was going to say, we come back to that. A lot of clients say, not just his clients, my say the reason for doing things is because they want to be a role model for their kids. And you got to, you got to model it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you want to do it for yourself, right? Right. Like that's great. Like that's just like a side benefit that your kids are seeing what you're doing. No, but I mean they see the benefits, like you said, when you do it, you model it that you're happier, you have more energy, you're you're more understanding, you can listen better, you don't snap at them, like all those things when you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. I could absolutely that's yeah. I love what you guys said. Very relevant to all of our listeners, I know. Well, thank you so much, guys, for coming on our show today. Um, thank it's you been for really us. fun. You're you're such a good balance between the two of you. <laughs> love the it dynamic. Very, <laughs> I love the dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for having us. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you're welcome. And have yeah, a, great, have a day. great day. All right, you too. All right, you guys. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at theartofliving underscore well on Instagram and Facebook where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.